They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Version of carbon dioxide and the photosynthesis process, whatever that is. There is nothing being consumed to make that tree. There's not a huge hole of dirt underneath it that the tree monster ate. All I can say is I know for 100% certain from what they've told me, it's like, yeah, physical stuff can happen just purely by gases with this planet. And so because of that, like when we begin to think within our minds of that potentiality of ways to be in homeostasis with the natural world. And if we can see firsthand that, oh yeah, you can you can be solid without having to eat, you can do this and that, then all of these ideas of what you're talking about, like immortals, not just like living in the mind, but actually like living in some sort of uh, material, physical way at will, like I haven't experienced it yet, but I don't think it's as far-fetched as what they're trying to make us think. Developing that way will extend our ability to love, to plant life. I think a tree, a shrub, deserves respect and sympathy as a living thing. And I think you can go beyond that to the rocks, to the air, to the water. Because it's all part of a whole, each part dependent on most of the other parts. And so we should, if only for our own self-respect and survival, learn to love the world around us. Go beyond the human and love the non-human. Instead of simply trying to dominate it, subjugate it, enslave it, as we've been doing for the last 5,000 years, let's learn to live in some sort of harmony with it, use what we must use. All living creatures have to feed on other living creatures, but do it at a reasonable level so that other things can survive along with us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Illuminati Confirmed. I'm start your host. Over, start over. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Illuminati Confirmed. I am your host, Mystic Mark. Here with me, as always, Juan from the One on One podcast. What's that? Got to get quicker with that. And of course, the Pope. Christopher from the Mensa podcast. (laughs) And today we're going to be interviewing someone who I do a podcast with 
Michael Wan, co-host on Your Handbook for the Apocalypse, the man behind Susquehanna Alchemy. And this episode was an absolute banger. Juan took over, asked a bunch of really great questions. Chris brought the heat, put the pressure on the guest as usual. And uh, and I, I think... Coffee. And then I, and I made coffee, yes. And then afterwards, we did a fucking fun Patreon, talked about all kinds of weird stuff, talked about um, something that was near and dear to my heart, rolling backwards talked about the time i uh broke my collarbone skiing and and chris taught us a thing or two about the history of snowboarding so if you're not already a patron on the one-on-one podcast patreon the my family thinks i'm crazy patreon or the mensa patreon go ahead and do yourself a favor and uh sign up support the show and get some bonus content until next time folks enjoy this conversation with michael Wan on the illuminati confirmed the original one-on-one because he, he said on the aim days he was one-on-one no he was one 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 the og well let's get started here folks welcome to get started illuminati confirmed i'm your lovely host mystic mark joined by as always, Juan from the one-on-one podcast and Pope Christopher from the Mensa podcast. And for the first time on Illuminati Confirmed, but uh, I, I think Mike and I have done almost 30 podcasts together. We have a, our own podcast called Your Handbook for the Apocalypse. I'm really psyched that the Susquehanna alchemist himself is able to join us here on Illuminati Confirmed. Mike, I have to tell you, everything you say can and will be used against you by the court of We Three Fools for humorous and satirical purposes. So there's your warning. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Because we're gonna go, we're gonna <laughs> go, and and we're gonna. You can't say that and expect me to just just like step over that. Does that mean that within the potentiality of that umbrella statement that you can take what I'm saying? Slice it and dice it any way you like, and then put it out to say whatever I want. Is is, is that included not, within your warning? No, we will never, we will never do those kind of tricks. You'll never do those things. No, the, no none of those tricks. We've never, okay. we've right. never, we've never edited any episodes to uh, change what any guest has ever said. Uh, I I can't say that we may not, you know, we might have to do that in the future. Who knows how rowdy our guests might get. We're planning on having some controversial guests on the show, Mike, but you're, I think you're uh, a brilliant person and we don't expect anything uh, radical out of you. I think that would be the only so, reason. So this is what I just heard. That's, that's the, that's the ultimate setup. I think you're a brilliant person, but I expect nothing radical out of you. So that's, that's known <laughs> no, as a bond. I mean, like, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm teasing you, Mark. I'm teasing you, Mark. So all I know, this is what some, because when you are a guest in someone else's show, you don't, and particularly if you haven't done your homework, such as myself, uh, you don't know what you're stepping into, but, but now I know I'm, I'm, I'm light footed and I'm, I'm ready. Like it's the scene in, in Batman begins when he's given like the hallucinogenic tea and then he's got to fight. That's what I feel like I'm stepping into. And I heard it specifically in Chris's voice. Chris is, Chris is being a little bit coy. I think when I asked him the question, I'm like, what about you, Chris? He's like, I don't know. I'm just going to listen and ask some questions. 
So now I think I know what's going on. Nailed it. Bro, we want to see if you're sus as fuck, dog. Like, you could be. Bro, you probably are. Like, you know who knows. Shit, I know I am. Shit. <laughs> All right, so this could be a lot of fun. I want to say one thing before we get started. So, um... Do I, so how old are you? How, how old is everyone in this room? So I'm 50. Mark, you're what, 28, 27? Juan and I are the same age. We're both 27. Okay, and you, Chris, how old are you? I'm 73 years old. <laughs> Give you're him a straight good. answer, Chris. I'm 40. Give me a straight answer, Chris. I'm 40 years old. Not that it should matter. Perfect. But, you know, Not that it should matter. It gives us a point of reference of certain things in cultural po- of cultural timelines. That's Agreed. why I asked the question. Agreed. So do you remember... AOL Online, AIM. Wait, who? Me? Do you remember when that was? Yes. Yes. <laughs> of course, we all do, brother. I do, too. <laughs> yes. So, so that was the first thing. That was, like, that was when, like, it first started hitting. I was, pro- I was probably about 27 years old when AIM was released. I can remember where I was at work when that was happening. The reason why I'm telling you this story because I loved my AIM, AIM being AOL Instant Messenger. Um, I, I loved my AIM name, and I kept it, I don't know, for however long that lasted, like 10 or 15 years. But my name was J-U-A-N-N-W-A-N-N for Juan Juan. So that now that I'm hearing, like, Juan old Juan, I'm like, listen, what on a certain fuck? level, we are all... Re- <laughs> We are already linked up in some residence of wordplay, so so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Right on! What I didn't even know world, that, bro. What did you? Damn. What did Juan we just Juan. step into, bro? This is crazy. So what all right, fuck? so I have to I have to prepare you two fools because Mike and I do podcasts a lot. I've met Mike in person. Uh, trust that. When he starts telling a story, it's going to lead somewhere. And that's all I really need to say, because he could take care of himself outside of that. But, Mike, if you will, since these guys clearly haven't done their homework, can you give us a little bit of a synopsis on who you are and what you generally do and what people can expect to find on your YouTube channel? Um, and, you know, uh, fill us in on what's changed, because, you know, you're, you're All right, all right, all right. Okay, um, that that's fair. So specifically what I do is I like to look at stuff and then talk about it. And specifically, I'm very good at making immensely logical connections that should not be made. And then from that, like, you know, I, I, I'm just like, all, I call it stories. Like everything's a friggin' story and every story can deconstruct. And the reason why that's so important and why I'm so interested in stories and coming up with logical stories told from all of these different perspectives is because I understand how stories, the stories we tell ourselves inside of our head, create our actual experiential reality. So if that is a truth to the human experience to some degree, well then understanding how stories can be worked is a very, very important skill set in my humble opinion. So that being said, I probably was first introduced to the to this alternative uh, media world five or six years ago with what I, I introduced something called the Susquehanna Mystery, which I more or less showed or demonstrated how the oldest river on the planet, the Susquehanna River, is also the birthplace of the first computer, the birthplace of 
of free wired electrical distribution, baseball hall of fame, globalism, all of these things. And I tied it together both in, in, in history, but then more importantly, being able to show in the geographical, uh, like, uh, what's available on Google Maps and so forth, these amazing alignments uh, of colleges and natural artifacts and, and really adding in a story into people's minds where like, what the hell are we even looking at? So to open up the idea of, of what is actually going on in this mystery which we're experiencing as life. And then from the Susquehanna mystery, I just kind of have gone on with that doing more and more research, making more and more uh, stories and connections, which are 100% legitimate, 100% logical, but then also presented in a way which doesn't make sense. And, uh, and I do that for the purpose of being able to build up and break down stories so we can build up and break down our muscle of consciousness of how stories work. And then ultimately that turned more and more into what I call gonzo research, where these stories and this research, which I bring out in, in primarily YouTube presentations, um, you know, I always find myself smack dab in the middle of it. And why do you so call it, why do you call it gonzo? Are you, are you a fan of uh, Aaron S. Thompson? Is that the idea? Exactly. Oh. So Gonzo, Gonzo, uh, or Gonzo, Hunter S. Thompson coined the phrase Gonzo journalism. Yeah. And what that means is he is included in the story. Mm. So he's not just like telling the story of something happening. He's telling the story about how he's in the story as it's happening, whether he's going into and, 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 and breaking into like the Hell's Angels motorcycle gang in Northern California or telling his tales in Las Vegas. He finds himself inside the story, and I do the same sort of thing. So that's what I mean by Gonzo. Great question. Thank you. I'm old, man. I know this shit. Come on, dog. You know this shit. <laughs> so, and, I, and well said. I think that should be enough to catch people up. And I think you've told a lot of these stories um, on many other podcasts, on your own YouTube channel. So there's no need to rehash the old stories. What's should we, going should we on? at least tell? Let's at least tell a little bit about the Masons because the Masons is a good story. This is a new audience, right? Yeah. So, so would you agree, Mark, as someone who kind of like steps in both worlds—the worlds which you and I normally share—and then this uh, Illuminati confirmed podcast? This it might be a good time to tell this story. Is that correct? Wait, wait hold on, Mike. What degree are you, bud? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Mike is no not Mason. a Freemason. Nice try, Chris. He's not a Freemason. He's a Rosicrucian, Chris. Get it oh, right, bro. Sorry. What lodge do you uh, subscribe to? I am a member of no lodge. So actually, so I have, when I was in college, I joined a Greek letter social fraternity. Ooh, and once you join, you never business. leave, Mike. And once you, so, so I am a member of that. That is true. And maybe I didn't know what I was joining when I joined. So from, from age, I don't know, what would that be, like 18 to 21, 22, mm -hmm. I was an active member of a, of a Greek letter fraternity. But other than that, I have no, uh, I have um, made no oaths. Were you a Lambda, 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 or what one? No, because your dad wouldn't let me in, dude. Bro, that's a fucking revenge of the nerd. That's a revenge of the nerds joke, dog. Come on. <laughs> that, so was mine. Wait, your dad wouldn't let you in? No, your dad, because it's Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. 
Because your dad was a member of Lambda Lambda. Chris, Lambda. you just got son, bro. Damn, you, bro. You got son, bro. <laughs> It is um, a it is a it is a black college. So yeah, my dad might have been in there. You never know. Oh man, oh man. All right, all right. So where Back are we going? On track. So do, do we want to hear about the Masons? Hit us with a quick story, like the thirty thousand, the the Mason thirty thousand. All right, all right. So starting two years ago, I started getting weird stuff in the mail from some guy doing all this Masonic symbology, and it was borderline creepy and definitely weirdly coincidental synchronistic. And I, I talked about it. I talked about it for a full year because I kept on getting these things. So almost two years to the day, right before my birthday, I get an email from some dude who, um, who's like, hey, I'm a 33-degree member of the Freemasons, and I run a, a top-secret Mason subgroup, and we like to talk about secret esoteric stuff and I want you to come and present your information because we're fascinated by it. Would you would you do would you do us the honor of coming and tell us telling us about the Susquehanna mystery? <clears throat> so I'm kinda like I mean as you could imagine, there's like all sorts of emotions which are like triggered in a situation like that. Because I mean there's a little bit of an ego rub and there's a little bit of like why are the Masons coming to me and like all sorts of stuff. And but no matter what I'm going to go and do it because I'm mostly curious to see what the hell this is all about. This is how the gonzo research comes into, or the gonzo element comes into the research. So that, that invitation came at November of last year, and it came three days before my birthday, my 50th birthday. And a couple of days, uh, and the, the date of the presentation was September 27th, or not September, January 27th of 2022. And one day, like in between the, the time where I accepted the invitation to give the presentation to the, the date of actually giving the presentation, um, I just had a moment of clarity. And what that moment of clarity was, I was once on, a, on um, uh, the Higher Side Chats podcast, and I did a presentation on the uh, esoteric uh, ritual, ritualistic murder of Kobe Bryant. And I suddenly realized that every, there were about 10 things that lined up to the T for the delivery of this presentation, including the location, the date, all sorts of stuff. So I'm like, hold on, hold on now. Am I about to go get ritualistically sacrificed? Because if, if they ritualistically sacrifice, this is how it would unfold. So I kind of went through this, this whole sort of thing, and I was sharing that story with people. And I was like, listen, this is why I'm going to suggest that. And I made a very, very logical case as to why I was going to be ritualistically sacrificed by the Masons. And so I'm telling Mark about this. I told a bunch of my friends. They're like, all right, bro, we're going to come with you. We're, we're going to make certain they're not going to ritualistically sacrifice you at this, um, at this restaurant. We all go to this restaurant, but we don't know what we're stepping into. Um, I didn't really think I was I was going to be ritualistically sacrificed. I put the um, odds at being one to three percent of that happening, but it was could still happen. So I go and I give the presentation, and I kind of flipped it at the end. Like the first half, I gave the presentation which they had asked for. I laid out all the information they were interested in, and then I kind of flipped. It was a real fun night, and I was like, uh, "Hey guys, you know you're Masons, and and we all think that you're kind of nefarious, and you're doing all sorts of shitty." Stuff stuff and you kill all sorts of people and I looked at your invitation and I think like you may be trying to kill me or at least I could interpret it that way so is anyone here trying to kill me tonight 
And they they all start laughing. They're like, nah, we're not going to do that. I was like, okay, I didn't think so. And I, I went and I broke down bullet point by bullet point why it would look like and why it fits within, like, the Freemasonic sort of mockery, which is done. Can I interject real quick, Mike? Please do. They, they didn't just say, well, no, no, we're not going to kill you. They said, what, what would they exactly say? They said if they, or, or am I jumping the gun? Was this... Go right ahead. Tell that yeah. story. Because Mark was there. Mark heard the whole thing. In fact, he's got a recording of me on stage, like, saying this to them. Right, Mark? I, I Yeah. I, I took a bathroom break at one point in the evening, and I noticed, because, I, you know, Tara and I weren't in on the presentation. We were just watching the door in case any funky shit went down. So as I went to the bathroom, I noticed that the stage was right next to the hallway, the bathroom and it was just a curtain in between me and this hallway and the stage so i got over there and pulled my phone out and started recording some of it but not only did they laugh when mike said what he said they were like well if we were going to you wouldn't know about it or or we wouldn't use a gun or something like that because i think mike used the word shoot me and they they yeah, kind of laughed exactly. and said like they'd use a sword like they wouldn't use a gun they, they, exactly <laughs> They would they would disembowel me. They would cut me from from either from 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 ear to ear and pull my tongue out as a Colombian necktie, or they said they were going to disembowel me and hang my intestines over my shoulders. Great group of people. That's what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> but they were they were being they were being sillies apparently. So I went allegedly, and I, and I said like I uh, allegedly, and so I I say to them, I'm like you know I didn't think that was going to happen, but what I do think is happening because the world is a much greater mystery than we give it credit to, and I certainly don't know what the hell is. Um, what I do know is that your organization is the best symbol in our current culture of the initiation, and the initiation is a truth within all of the human family and culture. We do initiations everywhere we go. And I'm like, you guys just witnessed my initiation. I started this journey five years ago with the Susquehanna mystery. And the first 20 people I told thought I was the craziest motherfucker who was out there. And five years later, you guys are inviting me and paying me money to go down this research. So I'm like, this is my initiation. I take a bow and like, and they're like, you know, it's a fine thing. And then the next day, my entire life fucking the shit hits the fan. And Mike, I'm like, what the fuck did I just step into? Mike, this is your initiation, brother. Yeah. This may be another initiation. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Like that. Like that was the first step because that was just the Masons. That's like that's like entry level. You got now. I'm I'm being I'm being confirmed into uh, into the Illuminati itself. Yeah, that man. could be the that could be the initiation. Welcome. Thank you. We're we're like a very, very uh, neglected subsect. Uh, we yeah. don't get any funding. Uh, they hardly send any, any, you know, of the uh, inside journals or anything like that. So we're really out of the loop, Mike. But yeah. um, have Masons you ever like? Let Let me just ask this about the we never get any funding because uh, Jordan Maxwell he what did he, he passed away a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, and. Every time you would, or at least any time I'd ever heard him talk, and I, I listened to many of his presentations, many of his presentations, um, he's always complaining how he's getting the short end of the stick. He's like, oh. no one's ever getting, I'm never getting paid. Always complaining, like it's a broken record. And it almost sounds like like the, 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 that your group is kind of like that. You're getting the short end of the stick. 
Right. We're just the stealthiest version, bro. We just tell people we're... they don't believe us, and then we can completely keep operating right in front of their faces without them. You know what I mean? It's like optics. Everything's optics. So we just tell you right to your face, and then nobody believes it, and then we keep going. We've never even said any of this in any episode until now. Yeah, we're what unofficially <laughs> affiliated. We're unofficially affiliated to the Illuminati, so... You have an unofficial affiliation. Do, uh, do you pay dues? No, we don't. Yeah, we, we put don't. these podcasts out. We're here to enlighten the people, brother. Right. All right. Well, All right. There were there were many layers of weirdness to that day, uh, giving the presentation to the Masons, just from the eyewitness perspective. Like, remember when we got there and uh, you mentioned the synchronicity with the FBI break-in? Mm-hmm. So there, we were there, I think, the exact day that this happened, you know, 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, maybe. I, I think it was in the same. Was it the same day and the same location? It was the same location. I think it was within within uh, a month of the, the same day because um, February 25th, which was like a month later, exactly a month later, an episode of this podcast called Criminal came out and they covered that okay. exact story of the people breaking into media. And I was like, oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> There's another do, you, do you want to share the share the details of what you're talking about, that story? Yeah. In, in the because seven, it's important. Yeah, in the 70s, a group of uh, concerned citizens broke into like an FBI building and, and got all these documents and uh, to my knowledge, none of them were ever arrested. You know, they got away with it and were able to release these documents sometime later to uh, to the right people. And now those files that they unlocked, I mean, I think they connect to like Operation Bluebird, MK Ultra stuff. So they let the cat out of the bag on a lot of big thing, big projects, secret projects. So, so that that's why I think it's such an interesting. Um... Uh, a touch point is because the story, the history goes like this: a bunch of like uh, anti-government, unorganized folks in the early '70s broke into the local FBI office in Media, Pennsylvania, and they pulled out these files. And then it's from these files, which they then introduced into the public, like maybe through like so, like you know one of the newspapers that we got the church commission and the church commission is the senate hearings from the 1970s where mk ultra was introduced into the collective consciousness so to say this in a different way if this event whether it's an actual event or not like all i know is that there's a there's a wikipedia entry and i saw the historical marker if that event didn't occur well then mk ultra would not be known to us and it is my personal opinion that one half of the MK Ultra uh, experience is the fact that they're telling everyone that MK Ultra exists. So this is how they went, and they told everyone, like, "Oh yeah, this is happening." And we happened. That was the lo- the location where this Mason thing just so happened to be. So, dude, I just got off the phone with my buddy, and his uh, nephew is turning amateur skate professional skateboarder amateur for this company ready for the name of this monarch tell me there we go yeah and i think and i was just telling him i'm like dude 
Have you ever heard of MK Ultra? Have you ever heard of Monarch Mind Programming? Have you ever heard of seeing the symbology with the butterflies and the little kids? It's like, it's really weird shit. And I'm like, now they're like making a skateboard company named after it. That's, um, uh, you know, and the front person is this girl from Brazil. That's like a, a the, won the Olympics for skateboarding. Wow. And it's just kind of ah. interesting because it's like, you know, <clears throat> it's this new thing. It's going to be hot and it's, you know, the name is right out there. It's very strange to me. What is your thought that, like, like I think that MK Ultra is is the most significant and interesting sort of, like, psyop, whatever it may be that's out there. And I'm curious what your thought would, like, how you kind of, like, frame up or understand what exactly is MK Ultra, where does it end, where does it begin, and that sort of stuff. You guys go. I don't fucking any I clear. I just think it's like an expanded version of that scene in Zoolander, where he fucking goes to the very exclusive day spa. But I just think at some level too, like we don't know, dude. Like we don't know where it starts and stops. Like I'm I'm not like convinced that there's not elements of it in like Sesame Street or Barney the Dinosaur or any shit like that. Like I would imagine if I ran the world and I had black budget till the ends of the days. And this was the thing that I would want to accomplish. Well, then I would put fucking mind programming and everything. Mm-hmm. I think I think it yeah, goes it, back to to even you know after World War II with Operation Paperclip. I think that ideology of doing fucked up shit to your people that's that got transferred over. That's why Warner von Braun never even changed his name. If he was this huge big Nazi, you think they would change his name? They didn't even care. They just put him up in NASA. Yeah. Fuck it, same name. Send it. You know what I mean? Like send wild, it. We dude. don't care. That's so wild, dude. That's so wild. That's so fucking gangster, actually. <laughs> and and that is be... the ultimate, like <coughs> MK Ultra, because you're like, yeah, we just went to war with these guys, and now we're put in charge of like our like number one agency, our space agency, right now, and and you can't say anything about it. All you can do is clap and applaud. And that's like, that's MK Ultra in itself. Like, MK Ultra has this meta, this meta meaning self reflective quality that when someone begins to research it, it is so ambiguous that you can't help but say, like, well, what is MK Ultra and what is it? Have I been MK Ultra? Is this part of it? And so you were forever, like, if you ever really think about it, you are going to be left, um, uh, somewhat, you all. There's always a potentiality. Like, is this the MK Ultra? Is this it? And it's very possible that there could even be no such thing as MK Ultra. They could even make up the whole shit, and that would be the MK Ultra because it was the Rockefellers who were introducing it to us. It's like an egregore. It's, it's a thought commission. form. It's a it, 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 bingo. It's it, that's what it's all about, right? You're talking about alchemy and all this stuff. It's about this these projections sometimes that we do even play into our psyche. Which yeah. is how you said, because MK Ultra is an umbrella term. It's an umbrella term over other projects within the MK Ultra, and people just go, "Oh, MK Ultra." Well, what, which one are you fucking talking about? Because the it plays into a whole bunch of things, and like how how Michael Juan is saying, like it could be bullshit too, and that's the M, that's the MK Ultra. That's the mind fuck. That's the ultimate mind fuck ever. Because exactly, you're already mind fucked. Yeah, because you don't know. <laughs> 
the thing about this kind of like, stuff is you guys it's like we don't know like if we're talking about like, because this goes into the like the land of like magic right mk ultra is about i poke you left you go right you know it's like the thing they hit you the little triangle thing they hit your knee with at the doctor right it's a reaction <laughs> kind of thing right and so this okay. kind of thing has been reverse engineered since the caveman dude this has been the fucking shaman at the end of the thing giving you placebo reading tea leaves you know what i mean we don't know where one starts and one stops and i think happen to think that they all land in the same mixed up cauldron of ideology and we don't kind of because listen if we ran the government or any government ran and they had secret groups of people they're gonna make a space to try to make their herd do what their herd is supposed to do so that they don't have to constantly corral them and constantly oh shit we got another loose animal bring them back in you know i think about it like 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 animal farm bro like they're trying to get the steam off this steam engine they're trying to collect that you know and they and by doing certain things people do certain things and they can they can capitalize off of that i mean look at the stock market it's called shortened stocks you know what i mean it's whatever and i think that that's what they do because i think one the 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 the, the that hovering omnipresent idea of there is this secret group that runs the world that's scary but it's and true you, bro and you ain't part of it. And then it leaves us kind of like, oh shit, like blah, blah, blah. Like you just said, Mike, like, where are we in this whole thing? You know, am I getting MK Ultra'd right now? Well, you know what I mean? Let me add to that because, because you have the work of Gustave Le Bon where he was a French uh, psychologist. And in 1895, he wrote the book, The Crowd and it's crowd psychology. And right. within that, he points out it's a very scholarly point of view of crowd psychology. A crowd becomes its own living organism. So a yeah. nation can be a crowd. Uh, no, any organization can be a crowd. Now, there's always an aristocracy that runs that crowd that presents that idea, the suggestion. Now, it's all very scholarly and literal and, and all this stuff, right? But then he also says that there mm -hmm. is a supernatural aspect to it, that there is what he calls the contagion. <clears throat> Excuse me, a contagion that is born from a suggestion and somehow or another that contagion spreads within that group and that organization and people you have the aristocracy that presents an idea right a complex idea but the group the crowd the herd can only understand that idea if it's broken down to the a quarter of the size of that idea to the most simplest terms because a crowd is only as smart as its weakest link you know what i mean so there is this metaphysical aspect to all of the stuff that we're talking about, about, you know, the, the, these, the, it's the lizards. I mean, I call them the lizards, but you know, you can call them the archons. You can call them whatever the fuck you want to call them, but there's always, it goes back to what Chris was saying about this magical aspect to it all, where it's like this, un, it's like the will, like Nietzsche's will to power, like this, you know, Thelema will, like this crazy metaphysical thing that just runs amok within everything and just pollutes the mind and, and, and just gets into people's souls. I don't know. It corrupts them. But one, what you're saying is really crazy though, because that thing lives in your mind, like you said. So it's like, if somebody put that fucking weird ideology there, that weird carrot that you're kind of constantly chasing, or you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who put it there? What is it? Because we all seem to right. have it. We all seem to have come to similar conclusions with this. Go ahead, Mike. So, so so there are a couple of things I want to say because this this is so freaking fascinating. So um, 
the first thing is there, yes, this, this metaphysical element, which always seems to be lurking in the background. And I always think one, that one of the most interesting things, whether it's metaphorical or it's literally happened, that John D., the guy who was like the first state spy for Queen Elizabeth, you know, where the entire intelligence agency world began, he was also a magician. So, for, so he was the, like from the very beginning spycraft and witchcraft mm -hmm. were always integrated. There was never a moment oh, they weren't. Totally. But but when I said in the beginning, I'm like, it's a mystery. And what I mean by a mystery is just that. Like, I don't know what that metaphysical thing, I don't know what that is, but there is this thing which we can't explain. So there's that. But then when I, I mentioned in the very beginning about the power of stories, Stories create our internal world, and our internal world is how we define the external world, and then we live it. If you understand the nature of stories, that every friggin' story can be broken down and rearranged logically, every story can do that, and then you realize that's how you can control yourself and you control your mind. That's what this is all about to me. And, and this is where the ball consciousness is, because it's a very specific type of consciousness which allows for what you're saying, like, where do we all pick this up? Why do we all realize that? Because I think it comes from a certain sort of, uh, a certain type of, of mental soil where things can grow. Mm. Certain things can grow. Like, that sounds like almost like self-induced neuro-linguistic programming. You're what you're talking about. It's like this story. Wow, exactly. Yeah. So, like, if you know NLP, you're gonna start to want to do it on yourself. I mean, that's the whole. Yeah, like, dude. NLP was was designed for you as an individual to get control of the fucking chaos between your ears. Yeah, mm -hmm. buddy. Right. I, I fuck with that. That's why I like certain type of music because it makes you feel like the baddest motherfucker that ever lived. Well, the dude. I mean, in Plato's The Republic, what do they talk about? You know, Pythagoras said that we. You know, he believed in like a homeostasis, a harmony of the universe, and that we were the instruments. We were the ones that were supposed to keep this harmony together, to keep this simulation intact. Now, uh, you also have, what was I going to say? What else? Uh, you know, in the Plato's The Republic, they talked about frequencies. You know what I mean? Like they talked about what the art, right? What, what Mike is talking about, the stories. You know, they understood what powers this had, and it spoke to... You know, this ball consciousness might be those that Akashic records or the soul, right? Because we still don't even know what consciousness is. We don't know what the fuck that is. But then, you know, uh, you brought up John D. All these guys of back then, you know, they were they were fusing science and spirituality together. You know, they were re very religious people. But at the same time, they were like, hey, I'm a scientist. You know, I studied the quadrivium and all this shit. So I'm I'm in both sides of the core at the same time and they fuse it together and that's how you get this alchemical process and i believe that's where magic really comes into where it is spirituality and science and that's what the field of quantum physics is these things that we don't understand but they do have a name because they wanted to put a name on it to be able to comprehend it to a certain extent but at the end of the day they don't know what the fuck it is they don't know what it is bingo you can't comprehend all of the stuff which is trying to be solved that is the wrong approach. And so that's the reason why trying to solve these equations, and when I say equations, I'm being metaphorical for like whatever we're trying to solve as like a society, whatever the science is, it can't be solved. 
And because of that, there's a constant chasing of your tail and it's getting you away from like the bigger sort of like relaxating, relaxing into the experience of the mystery of life that holy shit, if I go and I use my own God helmet a little bit differently, reality changes in a way which, which is why, like is very tangible and palpable. Fucking think you just bullseyed from like a long way away, dude. Well, so check this out because you know Mike is talking about uh, these untangible things, and I've been I've been uh, entertaining this idea as of lately because you you have things that you can't comprehend. But again, back to the the ancients, the scholars of back then, what did they do? They came up with theorems. Look at Pythagoras and his theorems that he came up. It's a a non-tangible thing that they turn into an equation in order to actually bring it forth into manifestation. Now, and they put this shit in every Will you go through that school. slowly for me? Yeah, please. Go do through that. that slowly. You 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 said three sentences, and I want to hear I want to hear that slowly about the manifestation, the equations, and it brings something through. So, what what did you? Can you please repeat that one? So I relate Pythagoras into because I'm fascinated with Pythagoreans, okay, and they were you know all is number. Okay. They 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 thought everything was number, everything is it's pretty much the matrix. Now these scholars of back then, how I mentioned earlier, they were religious. They were John D was a Christian. He was he was enamored with with Enoch and all this mm-hmm. stuff, right? So that's how you get Enochian magic. They were mystics, religious, and they were scholars. So they have you have this fusing of everything together. Now. I'm using Pythagoras as an example. You can use Isaac Newton. You can use Rene Descartes. You can use all these guys who were scientists and scholars as well as mystics. Okay. And they, that they were inter- mm-hmm. they're interweaving everything together in order to bring forth a sort of manifestation. And I use Pythagoras because we have the Pythagorean theorem, which is in every fucking textbook in all schools. They taught this shit to us since the beginning of whenever, since school started and it's a theorem that takes something untangible, unintelligible, and brings it forth into a manifestation of what? A plus B, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Well, that's an abstract idea like the platonic solids because Rene Descartes was all about turning his ideas into geometric forms. That's what they were all about. They want to bring the metaphysical and their they want to be able to manifest it into an actual manifestation of physical thing that's what they were all about and that's where you get magic and science coming together and that's why you got those fucks at cern clashing atoms together to try to do what to try to the higgs boson well what the fuck's the higgs boson well it's just this particle it measures the mass of this dimension if you get a different mass you get you tapped into another dimension people in quantum computing what are they doing they've admitted it in public when we compute we open up portals to other dimensions for Lovecraft's great old ones to just, you know, entities similar to Lovecraft's great old ones to come through. Mm. Wait a fucking minute. Mm-hmm. So you're taking abstract ideas, computational power, which we know the brain is a supercomputer if used correctly. And Plato said, we know everything. We just need to remember everything. We just need to connect the dots. So if we're able, if they're able to do that with a computer, who as above, so below. You know, the microcosm and macrocosm, it's all the same shit interconnected. So they're bringing these abstract ideas and wanting to manifest it through magic into the real world. And that's what they're all about. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about. We haven't seen one monster yet, though. Well, that's the thing, because one of the hermetic principles, all is mind. If they're able to infect your mind, 
And if enough people believe, mm-hmm. hey, the cookie monster is at my fucking door right now, if we all believe that shit all in the world at the same time, well, guess what? The cookie monster might just, it's an egregore, bro. It's a thought form. It's a projection. It's an elemental that the brain brings forth. UFOs, what did Carl Jung say about them? They were projections of our fucking psyche into this world. What was Jack Parsons on, bro? They were all Aleister Crowley. What the fuck were they on, bro? It's all the same shit. They're mixing magic with science and trying to bring it into the world and just do fucked up shit with it. But it's all mental, bro. It's all fuck. We're the philosopher's stone, dude. You were talking about alchemy. We hey, are you know the that philosopher's ter- stone. You know that term that they say in the streets? You know they say you're doing too much? You're doing too much. Everybody is doing way too much. We need to go fucking sit on a beach, drink a goddamn mojito, fuck the old lady, chill out, bruh. This shit drives people fucking crazy, bruh. Absolutely. Uh, Rest is is probably, like, rest is how on the material plane everything self-corrects. If you look around our world, everything is self-correcting as long as it's given an opportunity to rest. That includes your brain, your your consciousness, the your body. So you're absolutely right about that. Like Bro, you ever, see like how, the, you ever see how lazy lions are? They don't do shit, dog. They just sit <laughs> the fuck around, bro, catch some vibes, you know what I'm saying? Under a tree, lick their balls, hang out. Somebody going to bring food back. <laughs> so uh, so I, I love what you were saying, Juan. That was fantastic. I want to go back to the, the – Pythagorean, the Pythagorean theorem, because this used to always crack me up. And just the idea, like, when, when, when you read about, like, the Pythagoras mystery cult, and you take a year of silence before, five. like, anything, and, like, all, like all, or five years. And so imagine that. You take a five-year vow of silence commitment to go and to be initiated into this group, and then they tell you A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And <laughs> and I'm going to assume that that means something like there's a little bit more significance learning that in that context than some seventh grader somewhere in some suburb is like, I can't believe how fucking bored I am, and they're teaching me this A squared B well, squared Mike, C squared you, shit. You like, nailed it. How it's flifted it. Go you, on. You na- what did Mike, I nail? You're na- you just nailed it, bro. Because what did Manly P. Hall say? If if man is able to understand symbolism, a great veil would be lifted from his eyes. So in our school system, they are teaching us these symbols, these equations, but they're not telling us what the fuck they mean. They're just, hey, you use this. <laughs> yes. What the fuck for? Yes. We don't know. Well, what's the point of learning it all? Well, just because the, the system is made by the lizards. And they don't give a fuck. I've got one. How is that any different than like crypto mining? I'm like, when you're doing that <laughs> fucking shit, there is an impact which you have no fucking idea. What do you think Minecraft is building, you motherfuckers? It's like they give you the, they don't give you the context of the shit which they've created for us. You're, that's how the model has always worked. You're, you're absolutely right. A hundred percent. They'll show you the building blocks, but they won't show you how to put them together. And you should know, Mike, that alchemy is all about symbolism. It's not about the literal thing. So even the name Pythagoras has a, a numerical value to it. That and that wasn't even his real name. You know, when you look into it, so you got a guy who was burnt. They, some say he was burned. Some say he was, you know, he was murdered. The, the an angry mob took him down because why? Because all these guys all throughout history, that have been tapping it. Look at Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus Christ. He was a good guy. And what they do to him, they crucified him, right? Because wait, wait, wait. What about could that be equal and opposite? Like the better you are, the worse you get treated? 
<sighs> as above, so below. I get no, no. What? So, so they, I, I, they're teaching secrets. He was a pretty righteous dude, and he got stoned to but death. But they were teaching <laughs> secrets, bro. So what I'm getting is that they're teaching secrets in order to really be able to break out of the system. So when you go against the, I the think church, you guys just said the same thing. Yeah, you said the same thing in the inversion world. The subliminal message is, oh yeah, if you're a good dude and you tell secrets, you're going to get your shit handed to you. Mm-hmm. Whether you are Jesus or whether you're Pythagoras or maybe you're Joseph Smith or any of these guys who pe- David Koresh, who people are listening to, yeah, they're going. You're going to get got. <laughs> well, fuck with you, that comes when that comes. You know the two pillars, right? If if you go too far to the left, you know what happens. If you go too far to the right, you know what happens. Oh. You always go, go the, left, bro. What do they, do they crash you? Do they, hit you? <laughs> do they hit you with the power or with the columns? Is that what happens? You, you know what I mean. You got to stay in the center, but, I, you know. You... <laughs> Look at I Mark still think they'll crush. I think they'll crush. They'll crush someone's skulls with, the, with, the, with those columns. No, but that's really interesting, oh. one, what you just said right there, because it's like um, the left-hand path, the right-hand path, or – SFD baby that's straight fucking down baby you know what I'm saying right that's that middle column which is interesting because then you're not on a polarity right well no so I have I have this idea that either path that you pick if you pick the left or the right I think it always leads you to the abyss no matter what I think at some point in time it's gonna it's gonna corrupt you right we have the force you know the the Sith or the Jedi you know what I mean? It's like the spirit destiny. You use it, use it for good or use it for evil. But at the end of the day, you're always going to be at some sort of crossroads no matter what you do. So yeah, people bumper. people tell me, oh, I took the left-hand path and I do, you know, white magic and I do all this shit. I go, dude, it's still going to lead you to the same fucking shit. That's, you know, I've been thinking as of late, this is why it's so important to believe in God. Not, now, I say a God, not the god that they present to you you know that's this is what the ancients were about they believed in a source they believed in god but you have organized religion that comes in and they misconstrue that because again because of what michael was saying these stories these stories are so powerful and they talk to people's subconscious mind remember our conscious actions are powered by our unconscious so Mm -hmm. since the beginning of time we're taking it's genetically bro it's genetically passed down i mean we you know fears are genetically passed down we know this shit so wait, 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 wait. That's not, that can't, oh, my, I hate bananas. My dad likes bananas. What the fuck? Certain things, okay, Chris, you know, certain things. But it's been proven that fear. Spiders? Spiders? How far do we go? So do you know why you flinch when you see a fucking dog lurch at you and, and jump at you? Because your ancestors were fighting off saber-toothed tigers with spears, son. And when but they also, were fl- But also yeah. because dogs bite you, too. Like, I've been bit by dogs, bro. Well, just remember, our mind is like a Windows 10 operating system, Windows 20. And our body is like a Windows 95, bro. So we haven't caught up, dog. You got to understand wait, wait. that. The mind is ahead of the body. A hundred percent. The mind is ahead of the body. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Ahead. 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 Are you are you doing a pun with the word head? <laughs> I was wondering that too. I think he is. I think he is, but I not, do too. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm getting at, though. I mean, the mind is that much more elevated than the actual body. This is a fucking flesh suit. You know what I mean? Like, like I can think up of a whole universe in my mind right now, but I can't go there physically. You know what I mean? Like, we can think of all these stories, like George R. R. Martin making up Game of Thrones. That's a whole Ooh. mythology. Hold on, though. Hold on, though. 
is the middle path to be a transsexual? <laughs> no. No, you fuck. I, That's a fair question, that, man. That story that storyline is certainly being being pushed uh, subliminally in co- in the consciousness, without a doubt. A hundred percent. Like the divine hermaphrodite sort of thing. Like, yeah, yep. that's being pushed. Yeah. Back right? I mean, you, like whether, you're... Whether or not you want to say that is a truth or a, a way to go and and practice, you know, that's another thing. But that's definitely being pushed by the people who push the past stories. I tend to agree with, I think it was Juan, when you're saying about the significance of really recognizing, like, I, I, what speaks to me the most is the most high. Like that in the actual syntax of the words is like at some point there's something which is at the peak. And that's what I'm, that's what I want to connect to. And it's like, I don't need to know what that is. And that's another good, uh, another way, like why, when you think about the, 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 the origins of the word God and how God is originally a byproduct of good, because not only is it, there's a most high, but it is inherently good. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is very, very different than than what, like you know, the the boogeyman story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but Mike, that's what my do you, opinion. What do you think about you know about the hermetic principles? You know, as above, so below. What do you think about the, the the God within? Like, do you subscribe to that idea at all? Do you think that they're trying to lay dormant this Christ consciousness, if you will? And this is why they crucified. Jesus Christ, because he was bringing forth, right? Because it's he was all good. He was all doing right. good. He was healing people. He was, you know, right, teaching right, people right, good things. Right. So, okay. So these these are Mike's thoughts. That's all they are. These are Mike's opinions based upon some pondering, and these are the conclusions which Mike has reached, and maybe Mike's conclusions will change in the future. But as of now, so I've given that as, like, my, my caveat. Um, so... To me, the, the idea of like whatever the most high or God is, is 100% internal. And the inversion is to think that you need to go outside to find it. Um, like it's a literal practice, like it's a skill set. Like you can first hear it as an abstract, like, oh, God is found inside. Like, oh yeah, 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 God's found inside. And then what that actually means in terms of a practice, I think that's a skill. And I think some people find it more easier, some people, yeah, but, but that is part of that experience. That's the way how I understand that. Wow. And I think that's a very, very significant um, piece of why there's so, why the, the mind viruses are so contagious and particularly I have to figure it all out as opposed to being able to relax into what's self-evident in life all around us. That's why I like to say a lot, there's a mystery. I'm not going to solve no mystery. It's outside of my, it's above my prey grade, but I can learn how to be at one with it. So, and all that takes is me paying attention. I've been trying to say this, dog. I've been trying to say this shit, dog. We got to cool the fuck out, get some lawn chairs, get some cold drinks, get some bad bitches, maybe a little baby pool, put your feet in. You know what I'm saying? We need to cool out. The problem is, Chris, what Mike's saying, right? I never thought about it, that inversion, because we are moving away from that humanistic movement, the humanism movement, to a transhumanistic movement right now. But especially with organized religion, I've always said this, where it's a brokered experience now, right? You need to go through us to achieve Ah, divinity. Look at the Gnostics. Bro, that's called cherry picking. A hundred, bro, but it's all about money and corruption. And they they say, Uh you know, if you you give enough tithings, if you pray long enough at our organization, then we might save you a seat up in the most high. 
in heaven. Uh, what the fuck is heaven? What is first that? Of all, first of all, that's dogma as a carrot, a dangly carrot to make you act mm -hmm. way. One and two. I don't know if you guys just saw the link, but Mike, you'll get a kick out of this. I actually had a brand called Most High when I lived in uh, New York City, and uh, it was about uh, just purely awesome shit. The awesomest shit I found <laughs> all day long. So with, I like it. With my brother Kenny, respect to Kenny. And uh, yeah, that's that's all we did, man. We just tried to find the most radically awesome shit and just talk about that one thing we found on the internet that day that blew our mind. Mm. And it, that's Sounds what it like was. That. Most high, man. It was about the most high, man, because it's like, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You end up coming to a conclusion that seems very, I think my conclusion has come very similar to yours, dude. I, I think, and I think most people do that. When you start to realize, like, all of these people with maybe a different starting point, but have the same basic inherent, like, lot, like uh, uh, ability to use the rational mind. The rational mind is great for deductive reasoning. The rational mind does one thing. It shows you how things are separate versus the other mind or the higher mind, which shows you where everything's connected. If you can use your rational mind, you're going to come to a very, uh, everyone comes to a very similar conclusion on what this thing is that we're experiencing. And what is this thing we're experiencing from your point of view? Well, I mean, <sighs> I don't know. It's it's like when I say that, I mean life, like life in you. So when I say that, I, I can only go this far. Uh, life in human form with ground beneath your feet and sky above your head. As soon as you go beyond those descriptions, you're entering the realm of story. That's not to say that the stories might not be accurate mm -hmm. descriptions or not, but I like to hold it in that space. For right. me personally, I'm very comfortable going to lines, like mental lines and saying I'm not going to cross that line, not because I'm afraid to, but because it's just going to get a little bit too complex, and I like to keep it simple. Yeah, I, I come to the same exact conclusion. I know you're going to jump in here in a, in a second, Juan. I'm, so, I'm sorry to jump in on you there, bud, but it's like – that that's all you can really take away from it at some point i've come to that same conclusion even the other day i had that snowboard and it's like man i can prove that there's a mountain in front of me and the wind is gusting and the motherfucking ground is snowy but beyond that i can't even tell you they, they tell me the sun is 93 million miles away well <laughs> god damn i got good eyesight <laughs> you know what i mean and as soon as your head starts thinking about that Friggin' like it's meaningless. Ninety-three million. Like if you, so if you are a regular person who is not given any contagions in terms of how to interpret reality, you would never think for a billion years that the sun and the moon were 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 not the same distance. They appear to be exactly the same size in the sky. And then they give you like this, oh, well, the moon's uh, it's 400 times closer, but it's 400 times smaller. Oh, because no. of that, it looks – and I'm like, that's the most fucked up bullshit you're ever telling me. Because if you take anyone who's lived in the cave their entire life and be like, yeah, they're the same distance, they're the same size, whatever they are. It's, it's things because that, they're, There's so many synchronicities on that kind of shit where you're just like, you're fucking telling me. And then dot, 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 right? And then you're like – but that's what I'm saying. It goes back to the shit what we're talking about. Say, well, I could tell you it's raining today. You know, I could tell you that this. Right, keep it mountains. simple. Yeah, but beyond that, yeah, there gets to this where now say I have to take somebody else's word for it. Well, because it's mm -hmm. things that you can't or prove. Or I'm going to solve it. Yeah. It's things that you can't prove yourself. So, oh, it, you know, that's the whole argument with, oh, is the world round or flat? 
Well, does it really fucking matter? Does it does it affect your existence? No. no. But no. it fucking some people lose their shit on it because again, there's this contagion within their mind that just eats away at them. That little voice in the back of their head's like, no, nah, it's it's fucking flat, bro. No, but it's dude, hollow. Well, it's flat dude, and but, hollow. You know what I mean? But like, the, but one, the takeaway again, I think, is very similar to what Michael's saying. It's like, dude, you can't prove any of this shit. No, you can't. And so with that, the takeaway from that would be what? Be fucking excellent to each what? other. It's Bill and Ted again, bro. Exactly. Be excellent. Put your feet in the fucking pool. Enjoy yourself. Be kind to people. Practice natural law. You know, just, be, just be like, just be like, like the most basic level of being a, like, like a good, solid person in your unique way. And we all like, it's, it's a simple game. It's a really simple game being human. If we were all on the same page. But what are the chances of that happening, Mike? Well, that's why we talk about ball consciousness versus Edenic consciousness. Please, so please. when I use the word ball consciousness, and I'm, it's just a name, it's just a description, like it's not a thing, but it's referring, it is a baseline understanding. So let's, let me take a step back. So when I talk about consciousness, and I'm not saying this is the definition for consciousness, I'm saying this is how I am using the term consciousness. Mm. And so consciousness has two parts. You've got an internal world and you've got an external world. And it is the dance between the two of what you're looking at and then how you're deriving meaning from what you're looking at. That's what I'm calling the dance of consciousness. And that's what creates our reality. Yep. So there are multiple, multiple, multiple levels of our definition system of what we see. And on one of the most basic levels is what I'm calling ball consciousness. And so the best to understand ball consciousness is a comparison to what it's not. So that would be Edenic consciousness. Ball consciousness is based upon the idea that there's never enough. So to have ball consciousness, that means there's scarcity. Mm -hmm. If there's scarcity, that means there's competition because you're fighting for the same shit. And then it goes on and on and on and on versus Edenic consciousness, which is like, oh yeah, all things are provided. I don't need to figure that shit out. So Mike, that's like the how it's the dark side. I mean, that's it. It's just fear. It's the dark side, right? Uh, yeah, like that's probably a fair way of looking at it. I take it like more specific because you can really go through and look at everything in our culture and what almost everything which we've been describing in the in in this conversation about well, what about this and that. I'm thinking in my own mind, like yeah, that's just an example of ball consciousness. The point of naming it is so that you can recognize when it's in front of you and you can become conscious. Oh shit, I'm looking at the world in this way. Oh, and if I'm looking at this world this way, that means my internal world is interpreting the external world through that lens, and I am propagating it further. Mm -hmm. well, that, and so I like uh, go on, please. No, go ahead, Mike. I'll finish up on you. Well, I was going to say, like, it is an act, and it's a practice, and and like you know, I'll call it baseline reality, but I call it baseline reality just not to like get people all like their 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 their, their <laughs> panties in a in a bind because we're so conditioned to hear a word, even like the people are like, I'm not conditioned. If they hear certain words, they're going to get fucking conditioned. I say baseline reality. I mean God's reality. I'm talking the natural world before anything is labeled. 
Like, as soon as I call this thing in front of me a tree, all of a sudden I have defined its existence, like, unconsciously. Like, and they may be accurate, all the descriptions of what mm -hmm. a tree is. That may be an accurate description, but I've also collapsed all the other waves of potentiality. Yes. And so now I start mm -hmm. to see the world. So... So when you begin to understand consciousness this way, and ball consciousness, I was born into it, and I was taught, and, and the human being is a natural learning mechanism. The first seven years of life, you will learn everything without having to learn just by being around it. You mm -hmm. absorb it. That's the truth of the human experience. We can go, and the plasticity of the brain is we relearn. How do we relearn or it could change? Is we step outside. This is the rest. I talked about rest before. Step outside of ball consciousness. Go and look at something in God's, in God's reality or baseline reality and stare at it without fucking labeling it. It's what all the Buddhists have always been telling you to do because it clears your mind. Wow. And when it rests, all of that stuff goes away. Man, eventually. What, man what's, a, what's a tree, man? What is it? What is the tree? It's a, it's a neuron. Look at the neurons in your friggin' head. Look at the pictures that they show you. The neuron cell is what makes the nervous system. It looks exactly like a fucking tree. I just, I just think, dude, it, like you, you're just nailing it because you look at the planet Earth and it doesn't matter if it's a fucking maple tree. I mean, it's a way to categorize so you understand what to make from it, mm -hmm. whatever. But it's a, at some level, it's just this fucking thing. It's a piece of hair on the planet Earth exterior or flat Earth or all over. Exactly, Earth. exactly. Who gives a shit? Exactly. At some level, you know, it's like just enjoy it. I got, I got a couple things, right? Just, because all what, right, please. What you're saying about Nietzsche said, right? You know, the famous God is dead, right? And then the whole quote is God is dead, and we killed him, right? And people take that and they misconstrue it because language is something that's open up for interpretation, just how symbolism and all. But one of the things that he also said was, beware of those who promise you otherworldly goods, right? So religion, in a sense, right, promises you otherworldly goods. But he said to focus on the reality that can be experienced. So what you're saying about the now is the only thing that matters. It doesn't fucking matter what happened, you know, a thousand years from now. It doesn't matter because it, how you were saying, if you start thinking in those terms, you're already thinking in a story format. It's a story now. It's a, It's something that's made up. And then... Uh, to touch on what you said about the the Plato's theory of forms, when you name something, you're automatically capping it at what that name is by just putting a label on mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? It's it's inf everything is infinite. And as soon as we decide to name it and put a label on it, we're automatically already capping it off and just putting a limit on that infinite thing. And everything is infinite, but we're in this matrix where it works that way. Like you know, to be able to capture these ideas. We yeah, but we got to know what the fucking color red is, color blue and shit, be able to be like, that shit's red, that shit is blue. How about the people who are colorblind? That's and, subjective, you know? All right, well, the square well, is different. Well, I, I think about that all the time. My, I always see green exactly the same way you see green. We can point to two things, but what we're actually seeing may be different. Yeah. Because it's the same frequency. Um, when I mentioned about being a skill, Part of what I was talking about is exactly that, because there is a practicality of being able to say, well, red is red, or uh, go and tap the maple tree to go make syrup. Like, like there's a certain level of practicality of being human, right. but if you are skilled in understanding the nature of our human experience, which includes the moment I name something, all of the other waves of potentiality of what that is collapse, like, if you're aware of that, you can go and handle that with a greater degree of skill. Fuck you. It, it makes me think of alchemy. Like alchemy, the the 
you know, they shroud it in all this symbolism, you know, turning lead into gold. But in actuality, what it's all about, it's about, you know, being able to control those natural laws in order to be able to live a better life. You know what I mean? Like uh, you, if you're able to control these divine laws, these natural laws, it's how you're saying it's how to do something. But in a way to where I don't want to say it benefits you, but. It, it makes you happier you know what i mean like that that's what's really what it's really all about that's what alchemy really is to be able to control things in a more i'm trying to trying to put it into words and i'm they're escaping can i use a, can i use a word because i because i think i might have one i think about this a lot um the word is to harmonize with the natural flow of your reality homeostasis the inversion yes. world is yeah the homeostasis and by definition the homeostasis should make you like satisfied or happy as a person. Exactly. Part of the flip of what we're doing right now is everyone seems to think that their fucking preferences and wants actually fucking matter. They don't. And they're like, oh, and I want to go and have this, that. That's the most ass backward thing. If you can get into homeostasis and in harmony with the baseline natural reality, you will be in a state where like all the stuff which you like is just going to be there. Yeah, because the the it's, materials that they say that an alchemist uses to turn lead into gold, the materials are your experiences. That that's the real material world. And if you're able to align all that together, at the ultimate source of it is love and happiness. You know, that's what it's all about. That gold is symbolic. You know what I mean? It's like yes, it can be achieved through putting and that's why I believe in the law of attraction. If you're able to align yourself at a certain frequency and align everything in your life by putting in the work. You put in the work and you manifest it, but you gotta put in the work. It's not just you, you think it up and it comes to life. You know, we love, I love synchronicities, but you you know what Carl Jung was talking about, synchronicities are only meant to, you take them for what it is, it's your gnosis. You either take it for, for what it literally is or you take it for what it metaphysically is because there's a literal comprehension of something and a mystical comprehension. You gotta be able to determine the two and I think a lot of people aren't able to do that. I'm not saying that I can, but I think that's also, you know, when you have people taking religion to the literal sense that it was history, like it actually happened. That's how you get the dark ages. Okay. This is how you get the dark ages. Cause people took religion to the T and that's not the way it's meant to be, bro. It's meant to be symbolic and you interpret Wait, I thought it. We got to the dark ages cause of the black plague. Oh, I mean, that's. I haven't even heard there's no such thing as the dark age. I've also like, that's just a whole bunch of it. Like I mean, that's the whole thing which is so that's what's so funny about oh, all yeah. this game. Like and this oh, yeah. this goes back to that whole whole MK Ultra thing. Like I don't even know what actually is real. Like Bro, I mean we can talk about it's all fucking stories. <laughs> it really is. Now I uh, but putting in the work, I think I agree with you so much, and I want to define what that means to me. Not to say this is the definition, but to give a little bit more clarity. To me, putting in the work is literally the practice of knowing thyself. What is knowing thyself? How do you friggin' work? What are your triggers? What are your generational habits? Like all of that stuff and gaining the control of your cockpit, which is between your ears. And like when you talk about like whether you want to call it the law of attraction or being in harmony with a certain frequency of experience, like that, that is a skill. And this putting in the work is learning the skill. No different if you want to be a good juggler or anything else, which is kind of like a skill and it's a trick on how to harmonize yeah. with by of the human experience, internal experience with the external world. 
And Mike, I have this whole thing, right? Because we hear these stories about, so we're talking about alchemy, right? We're talking about, I like to think about Cagliostro and I like to think about St. Germain. I like to think about Paracelsus and all these guys that were, you know, alchemists in their own right. And we remember them even till this day. And I think that, right, when you align yourself and you contribute to the arts, right? Because everything we ingest, so back to the Philosopher's Stone and alchemy, everything we ingest, what we put out, you know, you know, they, they're looking for the elixir of life for the Philosopher's Stone, whatever it is, what we put out is art. You know, this is what we contribute in taking, you know, doing research, listening to music, having conversations with people while we're intaking, right? What well, the foods that we eat, the, the water that we drink, everything that we're, you know, putting in our bodies and we, we put forth, we put out art, right? We put out the, the, these things into the world that manifest themselves. I, I've come to the conclusion that a lot of these guys that were practicing alchemy back then and really understood it to the T, they achieved immortal life. I mean, you hear these stories of people that you that you, that they've seen that, you know, St. Germain, that he's all over history, all throughout history. But not only that, they live rent free in our minds. So in, in essence, they're immortal already because of their contributions to what? To the arts, to the sciences, to the occult, to whatever it was that they put their will and, you know, like Nietzsche's will to power, this this intelligible thing that manifests itself differently, the force. You're either a Sith or a Jedi. And depending on your impact and how you use that, you can live rent-free forever in everyone's fucking mind. You know, look at all the ancients that are in our textbooks for the for the rest of history. You know, they achieved a mortal life just from that, from their contributions to this world. And I think they were able to achieve that by really understanding what you just said, bro. You know, finding a homeostatic state where you're able to just be one with yourself and really understand yourself at a deeper level. And I think that's what it's all about. So this is, uh, without a doubt, I got, I've got like a couple more minutes. I got to go pick up my boys. But I want to bring this up as a metaphor. This is always, it's a literal metaphor. You know, I'd be a little silly with that. But it's something which for me is a very tangible touch point to the potentiality and the nature of our material reality. Because we have been conditioned to believe that, you know, us as animals, you know, that's why they want you to think of yourself as, as an animal, which is part of this predator-prey experience, and that the only way you get to have your physical form is because you are eating something smaller that you've dominate, been dominated by, this all ball consciousness stuff. And, like, when we hear that, when you hear that science class and you go look outside and you see a fucking cat eating a mouse, you're like, yeah, I mean, that's the truth. Like, it, that cat is really eating the mouse and it's really getting fatter. And like, but, but that's only half the story because if you go and you look at a tree, like, trees can be literally 100 million pounds of mass. And we are told that they exist in this material plane purely from the conversion of carbon dioxide and the photosynthesis process, whatever that is. There is nothing being consumed to make that tree. There's not a huge hole of dirt underneath it that the tree monster ate. All I can say is I know for 100% certain from what they've told me, it's like, yeah, physical stuff can happen just purely by gases in this planet. And so because of that, like when we begin to think within our minds of that potentiality of ways to be in homeostasis 
with the natural world. And if we can see firsthand that, oh yeah, you can, you can be solid without having to eat, you can do this and that, then all of these ideas of what you're talking about, like immortals, not just like living in the mind, but actually like living in some sort of uh, material, physical way at will, like, I haven't experienced it yet, but I don't think it's as far-fetched as what they're trying to make us think. Well, I never really thought about the tree like that, bro. That's crazy. I look at trees and I go, you know how old that tree probably is? It's fucking thick and huge, and it's probably hundreds of years old, man. And how you said it, it's not even, it's not eating anything. It's living well, off the air. To be fair, it is it, eating sunshine, it's eating carbon dioxide, and it's eating the nutrients that are in the soil. Well, well, it's well, it's none of those are physical, correct? And we're talking about the material plane. Like you can't hold a photon in your hand. Nutrients in the in the physical soil are physical. Yes. Can you hold it in your hand? I mean, if you can, well, then I'll stand corrected. But yeah, I'm talking about like dirt. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so then you're saying the tree is coming from the dirt because no, then there'd be saying, a big hole. I'm saying if you've ever done any planting of anything, that though you'd know that those plants need more than just water. They need food. They need nutrition. They need yes, nutrition. yes, yes. And what does a tree do? A tree exists. A tree exists by just being in balance. Whether it's the oxygen-carbon dioxide mm -hmm. relationship, it's you know all of the different cycles: the nitrogen cycle, the this cycle. Like I don't give a shit what you name it. And that may be a very accurate description, but it misses the metaphysical truth in the fact that all of those things that you're saying that are supporting it, if you didn't tell me that was a thing, if you didn't tell me there was a photon, mm -hmm. I would have no idea there was a photon because oh. I've never seen a fucking photon. That's oh. an abstract concept. And oh. so, that's, uh, so that's what I'm talking about. The weird thing is, Michael, no matter which one of these fucking little parts of the, just in, for example, the tree, Let's just take the three things that we know it's eating, right? No matter, okay, but yeah, you don't see it on the surface level, but every, no matter how deep you dig in this world, right? You will keep finding math to prove it correct, which is the most bizarre, <laughs> right? Which is the most bizarre part of it. Cause when I see like, for example, the Freemason logo with the G, I think geometry, God, greater power, whatever you might want to say, right? But I also think that that's what proves it because there's math everywhere for mm -hmm. infinity now i can keep looking down that rabbit hole and keep finding more math or i can just stop looking at it and realize to me well, shit there's math everywhere so just kind of enjoy it trees rule there we go and yeah. that's why i say you use your use stories in a way that serve you yeah word you could go because your stories are going to create your reality. Mm -hmm. And so, and you're going to be able to find whatever story you want, whether right. that be the math story or whether that be like the photon story or whether that be right. like the, the whatever. So, and if that's part of our experience, like have fun with it, like do it in a way that serves you. Put the, you know, all of the stuff which we were saying before about drinking the beers with the feet in the, in the baby pool. I like it. <laughs> I love it, bro. Right on. All right, gentlemen, this has been so much fun, but unfortunately, my 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 window of opportunity has is coming to a close. We understand, Mike. We appreciate your time and your wisdom as always. Thank you for being here on Illuminati Confirmed. And uh, Juan, hit him with the sound button. Illuminati confirmed. You have been confirmed, Mike. Thank you so much for being here, and uh, everybody listening. 
Be sure to subscribe to Susquehanna Alchemy. That's Mike's podcast feed. He's also got a YouTube channel by the same name, and all of his links will be in the description. Did I leave anything out, Mike? Uh, no, that was great, but I do want to say one thing. This was, you know, I've been on a lot of shows. This was one of the more fun shows I've had. Uh, uh, the, 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 the quality of conversation, the ability to, like, be kind of, like, uh, willing to challenge and to have fun with it. Guys, this was fantastic. I was blown away. You guys are friggin' awesome. So, well job in the show which you guys put together, and uh, I'd like to come back sometime in the future if you have me. Right on. Of course we will. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. I had a fucking right, great time. Yes, sir. Thank definitely, you definitely. All right. All right, gents. I'll talk to you later. Enjoy your night. Later, Thank man. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Do we get him? <laughs> right on. Be sure to tune into the Patreon to hear our next interview with Wingnut. Remember your first wave? Finally getting to your feet and experiencing that indescribable stoke? Did you feel like nothing would ever be the same? For me, nothing was the same. Surfing became my life. I went from Robert Weaver, future CPA, to Wingnut, fun-loving surfer. I've never looked back. Surfing has brought me fame, fortune, and quite a bit of happiness. But lately, I've had this feeling that something just isn't there. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.